You're listening to Forget Being Cool. It's using that phantom power. Welcome to Listening In, the place where music checks in. Hi, Josh. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's spectacular. It's it's Listening In, the place where music checks in. I'm Dave Moore. That's Josh Weinberg. Hi, Josh. Hello, everybody. Uh, we picked an album as we do every single week, and by we, I mean I. I picked an album this week. And... In this case, yes, you. Uh-huh. Let's let's clarify. It's important to the listeners to know who picks the music every week. Um, and I'll tell you, um, I picked this, this album specifically for the track In Too Far, but because you love the background of music more than I think you love music itself. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> It's it's about fifty fifty if we're being honest. Why don't you tell me tell me what you found about this album about this artist because I know I know you sent me a link that I didn't read. <laughs> That's okay. I'll uh, I'll summarize it real quick here. So on today's episode of Listening In, we are covering the debut album from Washington rock band Acceptance Phantoms. And Acceptance were yeah they were from Seattle. They basically they have ties to. Anne Berlin and a couple of other, I think, like West Coast rock bands in the mid-2000s. Yeah, like so, some stuff in Seattle. You got Gatsby's American Dream. You got your Hangnails, your Spill Canvases, your Thunder Thunders. But basically, the main thing is that one of the former guitarists of Anne Berlin was in this band. So that's why this album does kind of lean toward the almost Christian rock a little bit without the religious subtext, which if you like Anne Berlin, but you don't like a lot of the possible Christian overtones or undertones of their first couple of albums, AKA their latter work, then you might really like this album because Dave, you actually picked something that's pretty good. Ah, well, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of tracks on here that I like, particularly, particularly the first, Let's see here. One, two, three, four, four, five tracks. So in terms of what I got to get a little bit more into the background, because this album, there's a little bit of some controversy surrounding it. And there's a lot of uh, ultimately this album's success and ultimately the band's success really took a hit because of mismanagement of like from the label and also some not so nice things that Columbia did to their music around 2005. So first off, this album initially leaked about nine months before it was supposed to come out. So instead of people hearing it in April 2005, people probably heard it online in July of 2004. So there was already that strike going against them. Now, but then, now here's my question. How did it leak in 2004? I'm like, guessing like, that somehow it leaked online. Like early Napster days? I mean, it's this, very is kinda, possible. this is kind of late Napster, I guess. We're talking yeah. 2004, but that's crazy. That, I mean, that's crazy because of the time. Like, stuff leaks all the time now. This is just a standard practice of, of creating any kind of media. Well, yeah, especially now with the digital age, streaming. Yeah, I got your Apple Music and Spotify and Bandcamp and all that. Right. It's way easier to get a hold of stuff and for artists to easily self-release their own things and be able to have a much more stable platform without having to go through any of the major label stuff. But it gets worse. Okay. Because in 2005, Sony BMG was found to have put spyware on a lot of their releases from that year, including this album. Oh, weird. 
as a result, it was pulled from circulation and never properly re-released, although on the metadata on streaming services lists it as Sony BMG. But basically, when you put the CD into a computer, uh, they would actually install one of two pieces of software that had some DRM on it, and it would modify your operating system so you wouldn't be able to copy it. And of course, this was the mid-2000s when a lot of record labels were trying to combat CD piracy and people I burning hunt, CDs and ripping stuff. I want to hunt this down now. Now it has some weird... It has some weird secret value. It's almost rare well, that it only funny got thing released is, once. The funny thing is, there was, I think, a vinyl release of this a couple years ago, and it sold out pretty fast. Like, this thing has actually gotten a bit of a cult following, and the fact that as of 2017, it's actually sold, oh, at least in the United States, over 100,000 copies. So that's not bad for some, you know, pop rock, quasi-pop punk album from the mid-aughts. That, and, that if we want to get into that... That's my biggest complaint, Josh. It sounds like a pop rock, pop punk album from the mid aughts. Uh huh. Uh huh. The whole time, every bit of it, and it, it almost becomes the way that I criticized the album last week. It becomes like this. It's like this cookie cutter kind of style. Like somebody said, "Go make this kind of album," and they said, "Okay," and they made this album. Yeah, there's there's some mismatching in here. My thing, and also this speaks to Columbia's mismanaging the band. The yeah, Columbia Records, of course, the record label the band was on at the time. They wanted the band to have different as their first single, which is the main ballad on this album. Now you listen to different, and you listen to what was the second single, the opener take cover. Somebody screwed up. Yeah. Like, I listened to Take Cover, and I'd say that that grew on me quite a bit. And also, another thing about things not really fitting, is it just me, or does the opening of So Contagious sound exactly like the opening to Behind These Hazel Eyes by Kelly Clarkson? Which, coincidentally, was probably recorded around the same time they were working on this album. I was going to ask you that. I wonder if if there's some sort of crossover in the writing department. I mean, it's... I don't know, but again, at the time Kelly Clarkson was on RCA, which is on a Sony label. I was they were on say, Columbia, right? Also, Sony label. So a little bit of maybe you know cross writing going on over there, kind of like the you know the Spyro songs are the same as the you know, the Amanda Show. Just you know, just just throwing it out there. The weird thing though is how um, for me there's some um, there's some songs that are a little bit more there's some rock stuff in there, and I think. Near the back end, I think one of my favorite songs on the album is the is permanent, just because of like the the way Jason Vina's vocals are tracked on this album. The harmonies are pretty good on some of them, and the high notes, especially on permanent, you know, it's permanent. It, yeah. it's, it's, it almost reminds me a little a little bit of Fall Out Boy. I just a little bit. I agree with you, but when we get to tracks like In the Cold and these kind of these end of the back they start to feel like, I don't know, super generic, not as catchy. Like, yeah, the openers here, I like different. Don't get me wrong. I think different's a good it's track. Okay, it's not but great. I think compared to like Take Cover and In Too Far and The Letter, I actually found myself really enjoying that one. I love In Too Far. That's the reason I picked this album. In Too Far has been in my library probably since 2005, like for real. And it's always been one of these songs that you go, 
man, I've never listened to any of their other music. I need to listen to this. So I, I, you know, I was going through my Spotify going, what album do I want to make Josh listen to? And I, I think the sign of the mispotential on here, though, is that the instrumental track, Ad Astra Paraspera, is actually really good because it's got the, you know, the traveling drums going. It, it's a little bit more, there's, there's a little bit more tension. But then it goes right into this conversation is over. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of songs about like, oh, I'm breaking up with you. Oh, I think I'm falling in love with you. It's like, I agree with the genericism on the back end. Yeah, it's just a little bit like... I'm breathless. I kind of like breathless a little bit. I don't. And see, it's where they kind of lose me. They they definitely lose me after different, too. Like, basically, you know, any track after that, although I would agree with you for um, Permanent. I would completely agree with you about Permanent. Those rest of those tracks on the album start to just go, meh, it's okay. It's okay. It's another kind of samey rock pop album. With, with Permanent and another song sounding like a different song, the opening reminded me a lot of Nice Guys Finish Last by Green Day. Had that <laughs> same... I mean, the drums were doing something a little different before it sort of kicked in, but it sounded similar. I think the closer Glory Us, I'm just kind of like, eh, yeah, I, I could do without that I, one. I, I that feels I, like the most religious of I, the songs on here. It's definitely religious. I get there and I go, yep. I'm glad I'm done listening to this for the fourth time. That's okay. Um, I think the album is mixed beautifully. Beautiful. It's mixed the way pretty it... well. I mean, Aaron Sprinkle does a good job. He's worked with a, a bunch of acts in this, I guess, lane, I would say. I mean, he also does some piano on the album, which is pretty notable on Take Cover itself. So, Yeah, I love Take Cover. And I would also say... These are the kind of songs, just to lean back into our, our, our previous show that we used to do together, Josh. These are the songs that rock hard in rock band. I know none of these are. Which, it's funny you bring that up because the singer of this band actually did vocals on a rock band network song by a band called Ivory Line, The Healing. And I didn't find that out. I found that out and I remember, oh, okay, this guy sings in this band called Acceptance, who the guitarist is in Amber Lynn. And then as soon as you brought that, I'm like, oh, it all makes sense now. Everything's connected. Yeah, and I I know that none of these tracks are available there to play, but these are those kind of songs that you like want to like jam to with your friends. Anyway, yeah, Josh, I'm I'm thrilled I picked something you really liked. I mean, I would say that overall, Phantoms is a little bit. It's it's not super long, mind you, but I feel like the back end is gets a little generic. But it's I'd say it's slightly above average. It's like there's some good stuff here, but there needs to be a little bit more refined here for it to be in the great territory but i certainly liked it more than specter at the feast they need to they need to go in and and maybe just find a little bit more catch somewhere in a couple of the tracks but my recommendation for the listeners is to go give this album a listen and pick and choose the at the songs you like because i also i think uh, off note off note uh-huh. They did put out a new album in 2017. So if you're curious to see where Acceptance is at now, check it out. It's called Colliding by Design. Right, and we don't we don't usually pick newer, new, new things. Not always. Um, I have not given that a listen. I probably will this week, regardless of what we pick, just out of curiosity for myself. That's but, perfectly fine. Um, and we'll talk about it in, you know, 10 years from now on listening in that's that's a thing that'll probably happen i'm dave moore that's josh weinberg you guys have checked in with us here at listening in of course as always guys go give this album a listen it's in our playlist where the links are in the description 
Leave your comments down below what you guys thought of it. If you pick your favorite tracks, you know, tell us what you guys think we should listen to. All those things down below. And we'll see you guys next week. Hope you check in with us at Listening In. Remember, nothing is permanent. For more great discussions, hit that subscribe button or visit forgetbeingcool.com.